Hello, welcome to another episode of Stadium Cast. You may know me as Martine or Inadequance. And I am Lundberger, also known as Amanda. And Martine, we were just in Yokohama. I just saw you, like, pretty much last week. It's true, it's true. I've uh, I've played on the stream there. It was really cool. Like, I got a really cool ninth place. I didn't want to get number one anyway. Speaking of number one, we <laughs> have the number one. <laughs> on today's podcast, we have It's Axon. Welcome in, Axon. How are you doing? I'm doing great, guys. How are you guys doing? I'm doing pretty good. Um, I'm actually doing really good because we were just talking right before this started, and you mentioned, and this is the first time Martine has heard it, that uh, I'm your mother's favorite uh, caster. So... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, she watches all the European streams. You know, we both do. Uh, we stay up way too late every night. They start at like 2 a.m. and we watch the whole thing. Um, but yeah, she loves the European casters and Lundberger, you're her favorite. Uh, that is awesome to hear. Um, but speaking of favorites, like, do you think you were favorited to win Worlds? For those of you who don't know, yes, it's Axon won the World Championship for Pokemon Go, our second ever World Champion going in. Uh, I mean, you were also were one of the competitors last year. You made it pretty far. Did you think you were going to win it? Um, you know, I had that clip after Portland that was like, you know, I've won a regional, I've won an international, now Worlds is the last thing on my list. I said that, like, completely jokingly. I did not expect that to happen. But, you know, obviously I, I put the effort into, like, prepare for Worlds and to, you know, try my best. I think I had as good a shot as any, like, the real favorites. I think Wadage was another one that, you know, he had a pretty impressive run, uh, like, up until Worlds, obviously top three is also still super impressive. But he won uh, Hartford, NAIC, and then the Silver World Championship. So I'd say he's probably favored a little more than me. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people thought I'd at least do pretty okay at Worlds. I don't think a lot of them had me as the, the champion, though. Honestly, though, even though I must say that, like yourself and Wadaj have very impressive records, I don't think that like worlds had a true favorite right because there were so mm -hmm. many good people um i want to yeah, go true. a little I bit mean, there's so many people um i've i've said this a lot um just to people in person where i think there's a lot of people kind of like at the same level right mm -hmm. at the top there's it, it would take a lot for someone to like truly be like the greatest player of all time right like i don't think like, even winning Worlds and stuff, I don't think I'm the best player in the world right now. I think I'm just, you know, I had a very good run. I, uh, But I think a lot of people, if they were on top of their game, you know, would have had just as good a shot. Sometimes it is about having a bit of a lucky day, but, I mean, if that's the case, you would have a lot of them, because you win a lot. So, <laughs> <laughs> sometimes I, I do I believe it scary. takes one day. Like, just, just like with your Legend run, sometimes you just gain 300 ELO in, in a day, and... Uh, boom, that, that's it, I guess. Yeah. Um, Axon, I want to go to a little bit of the start of where the heck you even came from. Because, like, before <laughs> playing Pokemon, I had no clue who you were, with all due respect. Um, how yeah, did you, yeah, like, get into PvP in the first place? You know, the reason I started out playing PvP in the first place is actually kind of like vain. I, uh, I just wanted the pose um, from Season <laughs> 1. And I wanted to flex on all my locals and stuff and show it off in gyms and stuff. And so I just started there. Um, you know, in preseason and stuff, I started to learn. Uh, I got Legend Season 1, the first season we ever played, or ever had, really. Um, and, you know, I've just been a big GBL player basically the whole time. 
And I, I never did Sylph tournaments or factions up until basically when Play Pokemon really started. So unless you knew me from the leaderboards and stuff, or maybe like saw me in GBLA once or twice before then, you know, I was just like completely off the map. And where, in your opinion, do you think that people actually started recognizing your name? Was, was it when you won NAIC, or do you think it was like, hey guys, no, I've been around before this, uh, you just haven't been paying attention? Uh, I guess it depends on who you ask. Uh, there's a lot of the leaderboarders and stuff who, like, they knew of its acts, and they, they've played against me a lot, they've seen me on the leaderboards, but uh, obviously no one really knew what I looked like, who I was. You know, I wasn't in a lot of discords or anything either, so, I mean... I wasn't talking to a lot of the, the community and stuff. So um, I think NAIC was probably where most of the community really started to see who I was. And I mean, that makes sense. A big tournament win like that, it's kind of hard not to be noticed there. That, uh, that included me, yes. I definitely <laughs> got to know you there. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I was going to say, like, players like Accident would dodge. I never played them, but actually we did play at NAIC. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your NEIC run? I think that was still in the Walrein meta, right? You were quite oh, good yeah. at the bait yeah. game, I believe. Uh, that was uh, fun times back then. Um, my NAIC team, uh, I actually have them on my table here with me. I don't know if you can see them oh, all yeah. in frame. Oh, yeah, you have, have, you like, have a rank 1 Shadow Needle Queen, right? Yeah, my Needle Queen. Uh, yeah. Rank 1 Shadow Needle Queen. That nice. carried me through I remember. Like, the first like couple tournaments. I love that thing. Uh, Metacham, that thing's come with me every single tournament I've ever played in. Uh, if they touch it this next season, I'm not going to be too happy because I don't know what I'm going to do without it. <laughs> I also have Lickitung, Sableye, and Walrein that was on my NAIC team. Uh, all just like pretty solid picks now, but Walrein obviously, since the nerf, like I tried to make it work a little bit at Salt Lake and Arlington, and it it worked in a way, but it's definitely not as good as it used to be. Were you worried at all? Like... This season, I mean, I think there's a lot of pressure, right? Um, because you did qualify the previous season, and then I, I think a lot of players felt that pressure to be able to compete again, to be able to get to that level. And also since Play Pokemon and Pokemon Go last season was uh, one of them where you could only go on if you won first or second, and then it, it cascaded down. Um, how nerve-wracking was it going into these regional competitions? Or was it like, oh, no, I know consistency is key. I know that I'm going to get there. Well, I had a pretty good feeling, you know, if I did, you know, a couple tournaments out of, like, a couple chances, I would have been able to either get first or second. Um, but going into Salt Lake right after Worlds, I think everyone knows that tournament was just kind of, like, off for a lot of people. Uh, I lost to um, Mormon Matt round two, a player who just, like, started playing after a month of playing. Like, I was in my head so much going into that tournament because, you know, I think a lot of people saw how few people were going to Salt Lake and they thought, you know, the the bigger names were just going to win it. And by then, I guess I was kind of a bigger name. You know, I, I just came off of top eight at Worlds and an NAIC win. So I was feeling a lot of pressure. I was like, you know, if I lose on stream here to this guy that just started playing, this is going to look really bad. And I was just in my head the whole time about that. That's all I was thinking about. And, you know, that, that wasn't a very good start to the season for me, I, I got to admit. Um, but then Arlington came. I had a, a better run there. Um, Day one, I actually had some pretty hard opponents. I had to fight Wadaj day one, too. Uh, I beat him, and then I had to fight Bibalicious, who beat me. Then I had to fight Jengles, who, unfortunately, I took out for like the second time before he got to day two. Um, and then, unfortunately, I lost day two at Arlington, but I did get fifth place, which was an improvement. Then, you know, I finally got my breakthrough at Vancouver, where I got second place. Portland, I got first place. 
and then NAIC, I got 65th place, and I don't like to talk about that, so... Uh, but, but then Worlds, I got uh, first as well, so... You know, I am consistent. I was pretty uh, sure I would get my invite, but you can't go into any specific tournament and think, you know, I'm going to win this. You can just say, I'm going to try my best. I think Wadash is, 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 has had a little bit of a similar position, right? He played about yeah. eight or nine tournaments before he actually qualified. Right? Mm -hmm. and yeah, I think... he played a, a lot, and like his yeah. first couple, you know, they, he kind of stumbled a little bit early on, where like he didn't get top cut, maybe once or twice. Mm -hmm. But then, you know, once he broke through, uh, he got like third, then like second, or not second, and then he got first, and then first, and then third at Worlds. Is there some kind of experience that you bring with you, or, or like some thoughts that you might play out differently next time, like when you lose, uh, when you when you barely don't make it? Mm, yeah, I mean, I haven't ever been like that one win off, like the third place um, finish. And I know if I were to ever get that, like, obviously it doesn't quite work that way now. It's just like a point system. But now, like, let's say you get second place instead of, uh, like, getting your invite like you would have last season. Now you still have to earn more points. I mean, that does kind of suck. I, I could imagine that, like, you'd feel if you just did something differently, you could have got that guaranteed invite already. But, you know, if you're a good player and, you know, you think you deserve to be at Worlds, you have to show up and you have to earn it. Do you have any advice for people in that sense? Because you did say consistency is key. And I think you are like, I, I would say that in Europe, it's like status stand. And in the U.S., it's you that people always compare that you're like, you guys are the most like on precision, on point players uh, is is that just innate skill, or is that something that you think people can learn if they have enough diligence? Yeah, um, I mean, the way that I practice most of the time is really just playing GBL. And when I'm at these tournaments and stuff, like I know a lot of people like to do like a, a ton of scrims beforehand. And like, uh, I think in a way it's a mistake. Like, especially if you're scrimming the same person over and over again, because you'll instead of being scrimming for like the meta, you're scrimming against the player. Um, GBL, you just get a lot of like general experience playing, and when you show up to these tournaments, you know you just when you lock in your Pokemon, you just play the battle. Uh, you don't need to really overthink what you're doing, especially day one, where your variety of opponents is going to be pretty big. You might have people who just started, you might have freaking like Wadage round one, that would be terrible. Uh, but you know, you you just got to take it as it comes and just play the battles one at a time. Don't overthink it like I did at Salt Lake. Uh, at Worlds, actually, my first round opponent was Emmy Weedle, and so I was like, you know, if if you're gonna be a champion, you kind of have to be a champion, uh, and you know, you just take it one game at a time, no matter who you're fighting, um, and don't really overthink it. I think is the best way to be consistent. I'm sorry, but since you already brought him up, we we have to do it every single podcast. Um, Martine, who did you beat at EUIC? I actually knocked out me Weedle. That was actually me. Like people predicted he would win the EUIC, uh, but I knocked him out. And, and then at Worlds, I even got like way further ahead of him in places. So, um, yeah, I uh, guess. I guess. Thanks for me knocking him into the bracket. <laughs> <It's true. laughs> I um, yeah. I I guess his days of bragging are over uh, against me. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we just always have to give it crap because, uh, you know, he beat Martijn at uh, Stuttgart uh, and ended up getting 
the whole thing there. Uh, another fun fact about Emmy Weedle is that his mom was the first uh, mother to tell me that uh, I was her favorite caster. So I get robbed it, now. Yeah, it's been the big joke that I'm the I'm the favorite caster of two world champions' moms, <laughs> not the world champions themselves. Gotta get I got a niche. Out. Yeah, I know. I got a yeah, man. I think he told me that uh, I just needed to give her grandchildren, and then I would become her favorite too. And I was like, okay, it's a, seems like a pretty steep entry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just a bit. <laughs> yeah, excellent. You, I, I just looked again at your playmats uh, behind you, and the one I noticed is top eight at London. Is there like mm -hmm. anything that like before you went into Worlds twenty twenty three? Like things that you remembered from last year and that you would take into account for this world championship. Like I'm not saying your your last year was bad. I think it was top four, right? Last like 2022 worlds. My, I was actually uh, seventh. Seventh, still good. Yeah, I think it was top uh, eight. Yeah, it was it was still really good, right? But is there anything you took from that tournament into this one? Um. Yeah, I think just like being on the big stage like once before really helped because um, you know. I've been on stream a lot, and I'm still not completely comfortable. I think maybe now I am, but like, I think I was at least more comfortable than a lot of people because I had played on a stage. That like, I guess there's a difference between like a, a regional and an international, and then the world stage. It's just so much different when you're there. It's like decorated, such like it's just crazy. Um, so just like not having the nerves as much, I think really helped from last year, and also. Like, when I was looking at my run last year, I just went 3-2. That's all I did. But since I had a round one bye, it was more like 4-2, and that's what got me to top eight. So when I uh, got through day one at Worlds, I went 3-0. I was like, you know, I basically already did better than I did last year with my record, because I lost, like, my third round. And, you know, once I beat Weedle round one, I uh, got through day one pretty smooth. I knew that I had a pretty good shot at it as long as the next day, you know, I, I kept that mentality. Yeah, I mean, you guys are both day two competitors, and I imagine on that stage, I mean, it's it's really nerve-wracking, especially because you're so far away from home as well, right? I mean, and you, it's not that you have all of your friends or family around you uh, the way that you might have at a regional, but you did have your family with you in Japan, right? Uh, I was talking yeah, my with the... My mom were yeah, that's, that's really cool. And um, do you think that... That also helped support a little bit as well? Or did you have like other people, I mean, besides the other NA people uh, there that was supporting you as you were going along? Yeah, um, I mean, I have a lot of friends in the Pokemon community uh, that, you know, every time you come off stage and stuff, you know, I see my mom and my sister, they're like, whoa, you won and stuff. And then uh, like everyone else there who's like not currently in a match is like, well, you played so great and stuff. Like, you know, like even if you lose, they're also like, a, you played so great so i yeah. mean that part you know that's just the community being great um but yeah i mean it's pretty important i think to have people that are there with you and support you through it because it is pretty stressful uh especially like between the days and stuff to just not get in your head too much just mm -hmm. kind of distance yourself from that um you know maybe go get something to eat and just cool off for a bit it's it's pretty important to have people that you know you can trust with that I, I got to ask you about your day before mentality because, uh, you know, there was a big uh, get together of the Go community 
And if you're still in the tournament, I mean, what goes through your head? Like how much do you want to relax and have fun versus how much you want to stay out and enjoy the company of like everyone in the community? What is your before battle regime? You know, I, I thought like, like between day two and day three, there's a pretty big get together. Um, I always thought, you know, I wouldn't go to that if I made it to day three because like I just wanted to like relax and like actually prepare for the next day. But then somehow I actually got into day three and everyone was like, oh, great job. I'll see you at the social. And I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm going. Uh, you know, it's, it's probably better to do that than just sit in your own head thinking about what you have to do tomorrow. So, you know, I went to that and it was so cool to see everyone there and just meet a whole bunch of players from around the world. Um, I'm not normally like the most like extroverted person in the world, but uh, it's still cool to see everyone and yeah, I get to know a lot of people. So I think it was definitely the right choice to go and, you know, just relax for a bit between each day's. Uh, it's Pokemon, right? It's a game. Uh, you're supposed to have some fun with it, too. So, yeah. Martin, that question, I guess, is kind of for you as well. Uh, if you were, a, you know, the next day competitor, are you someone who wants to... I go to bed. Like, stay home and study? Do you go to bed? Well, maybe not. Day three might be different because you're doing one matchup. Personally, in Yokohama, I had terrible connection everywhere, so there was not even a point in practicing in between, like, day one, day two for me. Um, so I don't know. I, I guess I would have been, I definitely would have had different, uh, beverages. I would say that, uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> but, you know, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm rather just relax, uh, stay a little bit fresh for, for the next day. Usually like, um, well, day three is something that you don't get into a lot, right? That's usually... In this case, for Worlds, it was only Grand Finals, and for like EYC and I think NAIC as well, it's winners, losers, and Grand Finals. So that's three people basically in there. And like, I like to just talk through the matchups or the the strategies that myself or my opponent might do with with like my teammates, right? So, um, yeah, you know, it's a little bit of both. I, obviously, when you're at those events, you kind of want to meet with people. It's it's honestly never enough because there's so many people that. You don't have enough time for it at sometimes, which is, uh, yeah. But no, I'm in the same way, and I recognize a lot of things that Accent says as well about the stage, right? I've been streaming for like two years, but being on the stage there, your your heart rate just goes up when you are when you know you're about to win, that you have the wind con in your hands, that you might be able to clutch it. That's just a feeling that you will always keep, and even though I might myself not seem quite nervous, Man, when I when I reach to here, my heart. Oh, you can you'll know I'm nervous, definitely. But you know, that's something that, like myself and Axon, probably already kind of can expect. We're the kind of players that have a chance to get pretty far. So you know, that's that's gonna be that's gonna come. It's gonna come that you you get to play on stream and. Yeah, it's easier said than done. We just got just gotta deal with it, right? <laughs> yep. Let's walk through, uh, Saxon, your stage from like, let's, from when you played Wadaj on, when you know that you're, uh, it's only NA left, <laughs> you've knocked out all the rest of the competitors of the world, <laughs> and you guys are like pretty much facing off to see who's going to be the world champion. Just kind of walk us through your thought process and kind of how the games went uh, from third place on. Well, I guess uh, first I should say Rubik's is also NA, so it was a top three. 
That's why I said, yeah, all all three left okay, yeah, yeah. from that point uh, on were right. NA. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so there was a, a stream I was watching, I think it was a mind joke, um, where he, they were just joking around in chat, you know, like, oh, I'm fine as long as anyone other than an NA player wins, and, <laughs> oh, you know, you know, anyone else. How unfortunate um, for him. <laughs> yeah, so when, when that happened, I was like, you know, at least we proved them wrong. Uh, NA showed up a little bit for once. Um, but no, I think... Um, I've said in the past that I think, like, EU has, like, like the, the difference between, like, the best players of NA and the best players of EU isn't, like, there isn't really a difference there. Uh, but EU, I think, is just, like, it has a larger pool of those top-tier players out there. So it definitely was gratifying to see, you know, like, even through all that, uh, three NA players were able to, like, show up to Worlds and yeah, take the top three slots. Yeah, because at the beginning of day two, I think it was nine uh, NA and nine EU competitors that were in it. So it was at that point, it was pretty much anyone's game. Yeah, and um, I think in like the top sixteen or something, it was like there were four NAs left, and then like they worked their way basically to the three of the four making it to top three. So that that was kind of cool to see. But, I mean, you, you basically said it before, Wadash was on this hot streak, right? You know, so he won basically, like, three big events in a row, and now you have to play him. Neither one of you have lost at this point. What's going through your head? Are you confident? Are you thinking, uh, he's on this streak? Is it getting in your head at all? There's a lot of things that went through my head. Um, the first thing that I thought about is I've never lost a rematch at a Play Pokemon tournament, no matter, like, how the first battle went. If I ever fought that player again, I've won. And that's still the truth uh, to this day, because I, I beat Wadaj and I beat Rubik's. And another thing I was thinking about before fighting Wadaj was, you know, like, if he beats me and he makes it to the grand finals, um, especially on the winner's side, like, he's probably going to win Worlds. And if he does that, how is anyone else going to ever have a chance at being the best player, like, in the world, the greatest player of all time? I, I saw it as, like, a personal mission. I had to stop him before he just, like, made it so none of the rest of us had a chance. Um, so, I obviously, I was nervous. Um, and the the time between when I did my battle against Rubik's Master and then when I had to do Wadage was, like, three hours. I was, like, just sitting there waiting for them to call me up. Like, Wadage was just across the table from me. We were just, like, watching the stream the whole time because they wanted to go through all the losers bracket up until, like, the top four. And that was a long time just to, like, think about it. And, like, for the first hour or two, I was kind of nervous. But then I was just like, let's just play. And obviously, it uh, went your way. I mean, they were very good close battles, obviously. Yeah, I mean, at, at this caliber, I didn't expect anything else. Yeah. So, so was, now you, you beat Wadash, and you are playing uh, Rubik's Master. Again. <laughs> for yeah, the, the third fourth, time, right? The fourth, fourth time. time I've ever fought him. Twice at Portland, and now twice yeah. at Worlds. So... What were your, I mean, like, I don't want to say or make you sound cocky about it, but, I mean, every time you've played him, you've beat him. Mm -hmm. on, on the flip side, he's only lost to you pretty much as well. Uh, are you feeling pretty confident going into day three that you're going to beat him again? Nope. Uh, if you look at our teams, I think he has a pretty big team comp advantage into me. Uh, like, I'm going to talk about it later on my stream. Um, about my Metacham. Uh, it's a Metacham that beats other Metachams, but he doesn't have a Metacham. He had a Deoxys, and that is much more annoying for me to face. And also my team, 
Like, I, I was fine being kind of weak to Altaria, um, but it was pretty, like, weak to it. I only had my Alolan Sand Slash, obviously, to cover for it, and he had, um, like, Deoxys, uh, Umbreon, and Quagsire that all beat it. So I couldn't really bring my uh, my Sand Slash to, to counter it too much. So I knew if I was going to beat him, I'd basically have to, like, outplay him. Uh, I, I couldn't just RPS or, like, get any games like that. At least um, that's what I thought going into it. But luckily, I made a pretty hard read and the decisive match when I won Worlds. But like aside from that, like I knew it was going to be tough. Uh, his team was very good into mine, at least in my opinion. And I I knew he was a great battler because none of the sets like I've sure I've beat him three times, but they've all been super close. The time that I beat him at Worlds before, I barely won that game by making a catch on a Stone Edge and calling a Mud Bomb bait. It, they haven't been close. Was... They haven't been uh, like landslide victories. It was all super close. Speaking of like good players, was there anyone specific that you saw in the tournament that you were like, I really hope I don't face them? You know, um, that player that had five Pokemon, like El Shay, I think. Um, he was pretty good. Yeah, I can't say. Make <laughs> it that far if you're not, and like. It's. I just didn't want to face the guy with five Pokemon because, like, if you lose to the guy with five Pokemon, you just kind of feel bad about that, right? I mean, you just have you to know play. anyone in this uh, this podcast yeah. that would. I mean, how embarrassing would that be, like, right? How, to how uh, you to lose, lose to that. Ooh, yeah. That's rough. Oh. <laughs> you guys are cool. He's <laughs> I mean, we're, we're cool. Is that what you said? Yeah, I know we're pretty cool. You know, his you know, team, you know, with only five. Obviously, he had. A lot of coverage even without that sixth pick so you know yeah, what i, I was I thinking would he have gotten this far if he did have umbrian because you would mm -hmm. you might run different team comps and the others play different team comps right yeah yeah that's true uh honestly i think only having five pokemon was probably the best decision he ever accidentally made it's like Obviously, things would be different if you had that sixth pick. Uh, maybe he would have gotten a better place than fourth, but getting fourth place at Worlds is like, like I didn't even imagine I'd make it that far. So, you know, obviously that worked out for him. Only having four po or five Pokemon to get fourth place, like I don't think that's ever happening again. Yeah. Well, what would you guys do in that scenario? So you registered something wrong, and your choice is you can either take a round one loss and use all six, or you can do the whole tournament with five. Starting with the uh, you, Martin. What would you do? I would uh, play with five. I think going in with one loss already, like just having one loss in general is already playing on the line, right? One more loss and you're out. I I think I would do the same, and I think it's a smart read from him because you know it's it's a driver that makes the car work, and uh, you know if you're good, maybe you're just fine with three Pokemon. If it's your car is missing a headlight, if it's if it's the driver, not the car. <laughs> so is it the same for you, Saxon? Would you also continue to play with five? Um, you know, there's a lot that goes into that decision. Uh, if it's at Worlds, I think I'd probably just stick with the five. Um, if it's at like a regional and like I see who my opponent is and I'm like I don't know who they are in the slightest, I might take that risk um, to be like you know maybe I can beat this person, uh, basically make up for my mistake, but. Yeah, I mean, it, I guess it also depends. Like, what's that sixth Pokemon that you're missing? Uh, is it something that you kind of need for your team? Or is it something that, like, you know, you'd like to have it, but you can still have coverage for everything without it? Um, 
But uh, one fun thing is I only used five Pokemon throughout my entire world's run. I never brought my Swampert to a single game I played. So, I mean, it, you can win worlds with only five. That's Is that because, say. like, there were so many Altaria? Yep. Uh, I yeah. faced six out of eight games, and the two that didn't have it had a Chestnut and a Venusaur. And yes. Yeah. Chestnut. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Chestnut's actually pretty good against my team. I was lucky that he didn't ever bring it against me, which was kind of weird. But I think he was probably just expecting a ton of knockdown and stuff to, like, answer for that. But yeah, I mean, Swampert wasn't really the pick, obviously, for Worlds. Um, but I think it did help, like, scare away a lot of the Steel types. So it was it was useful, even though I only had, I only used five of my six. So, yeah. I know that uh, there's two things I kind of want to bring up, but they're both about your Metacham. The first one is, are you sad, scared of Carbrink's next season being allowed? Like, do you think it's going to stop the Metacham? So that's part one. Carbink, not necessarily for Metacham, because, like, you have a lot of neutral play there, I think. Like, you can get one shot by Moonblast, for sure. But you also are doing a lot of damage to it. It's a, it's a pretty neutral matchup, and in the two shields, you aren't really doing that bad. Um, but in in general, I am kind of scared of Carbink, um, but it, it looks like it, it's going to be kind of RPS. It's going to be like Bastiodon, but with coverage against the fighters. So I expect to see a bit. Um, I don't expect it to be like the, the new premier pick though. And my second question is just from watching you play Metacham. I don't think I know anyone who plays Metacham better than you. How do you always know? if someone is baiting or like when the good time is to bait, like you call the most baits and get the most shields out of anyone I think I've, I've ever watched play. I don't know. I don't really have like a, a system or anything. Like if I did, people would probably know how to counter it. It's just really all on, on gut feel and stuff. Like what would I do if I were them? I'd bait, I'd nuke, I'd, uh, I'd do this and that. Or would I shield this move or would I not? And I kind of use like that, like thinking about what, they're thinking about or thinking about what I would do in their situation to kind of judge what to do. But a lot of the time, it really is just like a split-second decision. Like, oh, I, it just feels right to do this. Or, you know, I, I got a bait. I got to call the shield or call the call their bait. Uh, so I, it's just something you have to have a feel for, I think. Fair. Um, all right, so a lot of rules talk there. Now, the next season, Axon. How's that going to look for you? I think you mentioned somewhere that you want to play outside of NA. Are you going to show us Europeans how it's done? You know, I'm still waiting for that announcement for like when and where they're going to be. I think, you know, it, it's not off the table to do like any of the three. So I, I just kind of need to see what gets announced and uh, what what sounds good to do, honestly. Like if it's in London again for EUIC, it's like, yeah, I've been to London. Um, but also it's like a lot less expensive to go there than it would be for like somewhere in OCIC or something. So, mm. yeah, you know, there's a lot of things that I'd have to take into consideration, but I am already planning on Sacramento, which is in October. Uh, I have my flights booked and stuff already for that. So I'm going to try to go to a couple of regionals, keep my, uh, skills up and definitely try to at least make a, a decent attempt at the back-to-back -back win for Worlds. 
Yeah, because next year, yeah, it's been announced. It's in Hawaii, which is very cool. Are you already excited for that? Have you ever been there? Uh, yeah, I, uh, when I was like 10 years younger, you know, my family went on vacation there and stuff. So, yeah, I've been there. Um, never under any stress or anything. It's always been like that vacation spot you go to to relax. But, you know, I think it's still going to be a lot of fun, um, especially like the days before and after the tournament. You know, you, you get the time to just, you know, actually be on a vacation and stuff. So I, I think they couldn't have picked a better spot if it was going to be in the U.S. for at least being an interesting place. Because I, I, a lot of people I heard from were thinking, you know, it's going to be in the States now. It's been out of there uh, for two years. And I was like, you know, I don't want it to be like New York or any of these other places. I've been there before. It's not that interesting. Especially after being in London and then being in Yokohama. It's like, that would just be such a downgrade. Yeah, and then they're like, Sandusky, Ohio! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would not be excited about that. Yeah, yeah, same, same. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll pretend I know that. Uh, I heard Boston or Milwaukee as well. I was... I, I feel the same way. I, I would like to have it like combined with a holiday or like visiting an interesting place and uh, worlds uh, with it, right? And uh, what, met, what made Yokohama really special, in my opinion, is that Japan just breeds this kind of thing, right? Mm -hmm. I think that, like, with all due respect to London, it was nothing compared to how hype it was in, in Yokohama or, or anywhere else in Japan. So um, I, I feel totally agree with that. Yeah, I feel the same. I don't know how, uh, how Hawaii is in that regard uh, about Pokemon and, uh, and stuff, but uh, I heard it's pretty cool, pretty tropical there, so pretty interesting. Um, hey, I heard you were going to uh, look into content creation as well. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, um, so I'm, I'm going to try to start streaming. Uh, obviously, my first stream I'm going to do is later today. Um, it's going to be a recap stream of my Worlds run. and. After that, though, I'm also planning on, you know, just trying to be a, a streamer, you know, like you, Martine. Yo, join the club. <laughs> just play my sets on stream, maybe get sniped a little bit, but show that's, people that's how it's done life. also. Life. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I think it'd be a wasted opportunity not to, honestly, right now. Like, you know, I, I've wanted to do streaming and stuff for a while. Uh, after NAIC, I tried to like get into streaming a little bit, but um, like when it was like right before Worlds and stuff, and by the time I got things set up and got like the proper uh, like equipment and stuff, it's like Worlds was coming, and then school hit, and like I just didn't really get back into it after that. Mm -hmm. So I think right now is a pretty good time to actually like do it and keep doing it. That's really cool. So uh, for people who are just listening in, it's just probably twitch.tv uh, slash it's Axon. Yep. That's Is that it. the, all right. So everyone go there real quick. Give them a, give them a subscribe. Yeah, please do. I very much appreciate it. Hey, and also we very much appreciate uh, having you on this because you were telling us that this is the first podcast that you've been on, right? So you're making your debut on our uh, channel. We feel very honored to have the world champion on. Well, I'm happy to be here. Now we then, are the world champions of podcasts. Yes, exactly. Ah, yeah, that's how this works. Yes. Or being passed along. We have uh, one more question. It is, again, a two-parter, uh, but it is the staple question that we ask on Stadium Cast. And it's going to be interesting because now there's a whole new season starting up. So we actually don't have, you know, uh, world's competitors yet. So bear with us a little bit. 
Who in your mind is a crib brawler in the PvP community? And this is someone who is good, uh, but maybe not super well-known, but you're like, hey, they can definitely be an up-and-comer. This is someone who, keep an eye on, they're going to probably make it pretty far. And then who is um, a champion? And that is someone who is like pretty well-known already in the community, maybe someone who has uh, competed or won Worlds, although maybe you don't want to call yourself the um, a champion. You know, I'd say in the crib brawler role, um, you know, before Worlds, I think Rubik's Master would have been the perfect fit, but I think people know about him now. So that, I, I don't think I could really put him there. Um, but my good friend Hilda Clash, I think if he starts doing uh, these play Pokemon regionals and, you know, trying a little more to uh, put himself out there, I think he could have a pretty good shot at it because uh, he was on the Elite TMs and they won the, the Silver. Factions World Champions. Uh, so I think he's definitely someone to keep an eye out for, you know, especially if you see him at a regionals, you gotta watch out. And then from a Champions, I think it would be a mistake to say anyone other than Wadaj right now. Uh, he's still on a tear. Top three at Worlds, that's not a loss. That's just another thing on his resume that you're gonna have to watch out for. So I am really excited to see how he uh, does in the next season. All right, thank you so much, X, and uh, for your thoughts there. It's kind of disappointing that again someone didn't name me, but I'll uh, I'll pass out on the. It's fine for now, I guess. Have you tried getting good, Martin? I, I... <laughs> yes, I have tried. I'm still trying. Um, thank you, Axon, for your time. And again, uh, please give Axon a follow. Up and coming streamer, hurt. He's quite good at the battles. Um, <laughs> yeah, thank you so much uh, for for coming on here. Yeah, thank you guys. And uh, I, you're already qualified, but good luck in the in the upcoming season as well. Thank you. All right, we'll catch you guys in the next episode. Thank you. Bye. Bye.